what's good, New York? It's the Harvester Colin Atrophy, a.k.a. a bunch of stuff. I don't know. I'm sick, and I'm a little exhausted, so nothing clever from me today, okay? Listen, this month on the uh, Radio Harvester radio program, what we talk about when we talk about pizza, we have got my friend and uh, comrade in uh, the zine-making struggle, Lou Houston, a true... American Weirdo. I know that I throw that phrase a lot, but this is a capital T, capital A, capital W. This is like some, this is the real ish right here. This man is a genuine freak. And he makes zines. He did a zine called Blurt for a really long time. Now he does these zines that are collections of things he overhears people say at his job. Doing something, I forget what, in the same building as the FBI has their Austin, Texas office. And he's just a generally good guy, and we traveled in these weird parallel lives for a really long time, starting trading zines when we were teenagers and ending being pretty close friends when we were a little older. And uh, it was really good to sit down and talk to him at Carmine's 2 on Union Avenue in Williamsburg, uh, which I think might have closed since then, but I don't know. I never go to that part of Williamsburg anymore. We just happened to be walking around there that day. Anyway... I hope that you uh, enjoy the program, and I hope that it's uh, good for you. everywhere. You might be the first guest that's ever heard the show before. Oh. Um, well, Mike Taylor probably, Mike Taylor had listened to I it no, for sure. no preconceived ideas. Well, yeah, neither do I, uh, unluckily for both of us. I have no idea still what it's really about. Here we go again. You're from Pennsylvania somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, northeastern Pennsylvania. Small, small town. Like near the Poconos? Yeah, kind of. I mean, they kind of extended the Poconos. I think everybody wanted to be the Poconos for right. a while. I, I go to Wilkesbury right sometimes. Yeah, Wilkesbury is where well, the first show I ever went to was in Wilkesbury, which was 40 minutes from my house, you know. It was definitely that thing where I drove. I mean, I don't know what your experience was like, but I drove. Every show I went to was at least a half an hour away. I took the more. commuter train into New York City. Right. But so it took 40 minutes to an hour to get to shows. Yeah. So I was just going to all these shows on like weird, you know, BFW halls in like some weird town that I've never been back to since or whatever. Uh, and but then at Wilkesbury, there was like a college radio station. And I guess you know I'd gotten into whatever, you know, Green Day and the Sex Pistols or something, and uh, heard this band on the on the radio that was from Wilkesbury, and it's just like, oh, this is. I love this, you know? Right. And then, the, I think one of the dudes in the band is this man, Bedford. It's like, the drummer went that. on to be in, uh... Uh... Weston? No, and Albert Cross. It was a joke. So yeah, I mean, Bedford really was what did it for me, and went and saw him, like, in the back, actually in the back of a pizza shop. 
my first show. It was really my first show. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't one of those kids where like, I didn't go to any big stadium shows. You know, literally. I mean, I, of course, I saw some live music somewhere. Right. But it was the first like band I ever went to see. My sister drove me, and it blew my mind. There was like tons of kids everywhere, and standing up on the. You know, it's like this back room, like kind of a bar area, but standing up on tables. And, I was just like, what is this, you know? Kids selling zines. Yeah. You know, some kids sold me a zine. And then you did a zine. Right. Like immediately, right? Well, I had already kind of been, I might have already been kind of doing them. But that How came, did you know what a zine was? I don't know. I was always doing, like, I'm, I was always making stuff, you know? Like, I always would, like, set up, I always like to show people things. You know, that was my thing. Like, I would set up, like, some, like, science fair or zoo or whatever when I was a kid. Young kid. And, like, right. have my family come look at it. And then me and my sister, I did like, we did like a little art book kind of comic thing and like have my mom photocopy it at work and put it together. Oh, and that wow. might have been, I think it was basically through, I was kind of into comics, never like huge into comics, and I kind of discovered like, you know, what's that, Matt Fiesel or whatever does that uh, uh, comic called? It's like a, just a stick figure, but it was like he would just do like photocopy little mini comics. Sure. And I think when I found out about those, something about that, like photocopier, just like clicked I'm like ah you know like I want to do something like this so me and my sister made this collaborative actually my parents just came to visit Austin for the first time recently and brought all this shit and that was in there so I've gone through so like I made that as like one of them you know you're like a year or two older than me probably which is nothing like we're the same age now but when right. I was 14 or whatever and got your zine and you were 16 right. that's a big difference <laughs> it's a huge difference right in just like maturity and freedom or like perceived maturity and freedom right and uh i remember getting your zine and just thinking like this guy's got it together like this is what a zine should be my zines are garbage comparatively that's funny you i know? wonder which one it was did they all have different names or was it all it quadriceptive quadriceptive infinitation yeah yeah it was like five or six issues but it got the first couple issues were pretty rough. It was weird. My it first was like review, weird pros. My first review in MRO was basically like, this zine is a waste of paper. Yeah. Well, I remember I was getting into, like, I was getting really into, like, Dada sh and Burroughs and, like, yeah, yeah. Cut Up. Yeah, see, no, I wasn't into any of that Weird writing. Later. But it so felt like... you thought I was... It felt like your writing was in touch with some kind of authentic, authentic wow. weirdness that I could only pretend to. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I haven't revisited that stuff in a long time, but... Yeah, I mean, it's just that you're authentically a weird guy, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing to it. I'm a weird guy, too. My weirdness I've gotten way weirder comes across age, differently. Though. You definitely have got Well, more inscrutable. I was pretty straight and narrow when I was that age. I went to college because when I was 18, even though I had read a lot of these things by then, Scam and Comic Bus, all these people that just kind of made it work, I still had this idea, I mean, again, the fear. I had this idea that if I didn't go to college, I would, like, die, you know? Yeah. And then my junior year, I went on, I roadied with a band Dirt Bike Annie from Jersey. And I, I think touring that. really, like, touring really showed me that, like, oh, you can, like, survive on very little. You know, you don't need much to live. Right. And I kind of, like, clicked in my head, like, oh, I don't need to go right out of college and get a job. And I also, I was real uptight. I mean, I'm still pretty uptight, but, I, you know, I was real uptight when I was younger. And so uptight after like college, how? just, you know, like, very, like a very nick? scared. Yeah, not super neat, Nick, but, you know, like, OCD a little bit about, like, making sure I set my alarm and make sure I get up on time for class and get to class early. And sure, sure. Sit at the front of the class. Like, follow do the every, rules. Do, yeah, do, every, right. do everything that you're supposed to do to 
I don't know. I was just, you know. No, that makes sense to me. Did so you have any sense of like that was? I'd never drank. I did. I'd never done any drugs. In just high kinda, school? Yeah, never. So when I graduated, I started doing it right at the end of college. But so after college, I was kind of like, you know what? I'm gonna unwind myself. But anyway, I saw Ben out of shape just randomly, and I was like, ah, this band. And like immediately, it was just like this band. This is the band that I've been looking for. Didn't meet them or anything. And then, but I got a flyer for the Modern Machines Ben out of shape show, and I had gotten into Modern Machines through a zine and like read about them. I was like, I would like this band, you know. And then I found their CD at some like maybe actually on tour with their bike Annie in the Bay at Mission Records. Sure. Uh, I found their CD. So I was there already into the modern machine, so I was like, I'm totally going to the show. And then was on the subway and I had a tight pants patch. And Jamie was on the subway and he came Is up he to me. Tight pants. Yeah. Oh. And Jamie good. came up to me and was like, ah oh, man, you know Maddie? I'm like, oh I've never met her, we've written to each other. I met her after that, but right. and uh, he gave me a flyer for that show. I'm like, oh I already I like had it hanging on the wall in the basement. Right. You know, City Island. I was like, oh I'm coming to the show, you know. Yeah, and so then after that, I mean, I don't know, me and Jamie just kind of became pretty fast friends. Yeah. I started going to all their shows, and it was like, the, you know, I mean, I definitely wasn't like of the ilk of all those kids. I felt a little bit out of place. Right. I kind of, you know, it, had, it, you know, it, was, it had a big effect on me. I mean, and definitely for the unloose, for the unwinding, you know, meeting those guys was like, been out of shape, especially, it was just like, well, yeah. these guys are unwound. Another bottle smashed, another And those shows are just so, I mean, like I said, I, I think it was similar, like with Bedford, it was like this excitement about a band yeah. that I could share with people, and I didn't really think I'd ever find that again. So finding that again with Ben Out of Shape was like really awesome. And yeah, it was totally. the most fun. The Ben House was one of the, I felt like I, the first time I went there was like a Halloween show. I have no idea what bands played, but I felt like, I felt like, oh, I'm home. I'm yeah. finally home. I've been like adrift. Right for however long and now I I've I've hit land I like stepped back from everything when I quit drinking that was almost three years ago at this point and I still haven't quite stepped back in in the same way that I was kind of enmeshed in it right. although honestly towards the end of my drinking I had stepped away from the punk scene to just be at the bar all the time right like let's be real right um, yeah, I mean that's the thing it just it became just an ex- I mean that's the thing you know, you know it's it's an excuse for people to get I mean, when the bands I was in, you know, early, like, Party Garbage in Austin, that was just like, well, I'm already out here getting up. I might as well get up on the stage while I'm up. You know, and then in, like... And conversely, you get some free drinks. Or not conversely. as right. Also, not to mention, you get some free drinks out of it. Right. Maybe you get paid to get up. Right. You know? So, eventually it gets old, you know? And that's why I'm trying now. I'm like, I just want to play music and not get up, but I have a hard time when I go out. You know, it's just that atmosphere. I get, I end up drinking, then I end up doing some drugs, and then I end up at, alone at five in the morning, hating myself again. And right. Two days later, I'm even worse. You know, and it's like I can't do that. That's why I don't go out. Yeah. I'm starting to. That's what the that's what the Pellegrino is all about. You got to get right. that heavy bottle. Right. That heavy glass bottle. Right. You can smack a guy with it if you need to. So I'm way more on edge. Yeah. Being sober, I'm way less go with the flow. That's something that I wanted to talk about. The fear. Right. The fear is something that I filled up with booze. Right. It was like this. 
I had the same self-awareness and the same uh, intense like uh, inward gaze but I just knew this th I'm going to do this thing that makes me feel vulnerable and if anybody tries to make me feel bad about having done it I'll just blame it on the fact that I'm f***ed up Right. And that's my out. Right. And it was like, I don't know where I got this intense fear of people trying to make me feel bad about who I am. Well, I got it from school. Yeah, know? I guess I got it from school. The cruelest thing they could ever make anyone do. It's not from my parents, though. I got it from school, man. Kids Just are, school? Kids are, kids are horrible. I, I still think it's like the worst thing to take super young kids and force them in, like, as if... I mean, I know, you know, whatever, being social is part of life, I guess, you know, I mean, it has to be, I guess, by nature, the fact that there's a lot of people living near each other, but, you know, forcing kids into these social situations without really any guidance, I mean, teachers don't give a f you know, they look the other way. When, you know, whatever your personality is, I mean, if you're a vulnerable person, kids are going to see that, and there's going to be some kid who's a and he's going to pick up. Right. And if you're not ready at that age to deal with that... What are you going to do? And it just creates... Who's I mean, ready I, to deal with that? I don't even... I still don't think... I mean, I had a friend... My friend Casey from Austin was like, oh, wait, wait, it was in Canada. I always gives the best advice. Like, he just... You know, at one point, he's like, dude, you need to get over that. You need to get over high school and middle school. The and trauma school. of school. And I was like, yeah. I mean, because he could tell. It was just still part of me. I'm just yeah. up. But... And it was never that bad. I mean, I was never beat up or anything. I, I guess, I don't know why. I was like kind of a bigger kid. I've still never been in a fight ever. I don't know why. Really. I've never but really been in a fight. Never thrown a punch. Never been punched. I still feel like it's a failing on my part that I'm not going to street fight. I'm 31 years old. I'm like, I still feel insecure <laughs> about that. You know what I mean? That's how deep that shit goes. Right. I'm never going to put that away. But that, you know, whatever. I guess I've gotten comfortable with my discomfort. Like, I'm at peace with it. But I find myself slipping into these, like, kind of, like, playing up tough guy-ness sometimes in certain situations. I can act. I can do tough guy drag, you know what I mean, really well. Yeah. Because I've been around tough guys my whole life. Yeah. I can pretend it. I mean, I can definitely, when I'm trying to defuse a situation, I usually try to appear a little tougher than I am just to, like, calm the, per you know. Sure. Depending on what the situation is. And then, uh, oh. but then after that, it's all just conciliatory, just trying Thank to you. get them. This is nice. To chill, it is nice. Uh, but yeah, I've never, I mean, I don't know, I've never, I mean, a long time ago, I decided, like, I just didn't want to, you know, I, you know, like, the idea of, like, you know, I had a friend who always used to talk about being a man, like, oh, I'm a, you know, this man. I'm like, you know, I was like, one day, I'm like, you know what, I never wanted to be a man, you know? I mean, growing up to me, like, being a man was not something to strive towards, you know? You know, I mean, like, the idea of what a man is in our society. I mean, obviously, right. there's parts of being what being a man is that are good, but the majority of it is, like, both, you know, that I got from, you know, all the kids. I mean, I've always been somewhat of a, you know, I'm not a very masculine person. See, know? I don't think of you as a not masculine person. Though. Right, well, you yeah. know, I see myself that way. But Yeah, yeah, sure. So, but I just reject, I mean, you know, it came along with listening to, like, propaganda, you know. I mean, you Definitely. got those lessons from them, but it was something I think I already, you know, my mom, you know, my mom was a feminist, you know, I read, you know, like, you know, like, Our Bodies, Ourselves and Things was like a book in the house, you know, and, right. and things like, so I was like very aware of that, and I just was never into the idea of like, I want to be a man, you know, like, I don't want to, you know, I don't know what I want to be, but I mean, I, you know, I don't sit around trying to figure out ways to make myself more of a man. I don't want to be a boy either, but. 
I never asked for that either. You don't want to be a child. I mean, but it, it, you yeah. can just take the gender out of it and say right. you want to be an adult. I just not want a to child. be a human being, you know? Yeah. But like a full, not like a larval human. I want to be like yeah. a full. Huh. We've all got larval. I want to come stages. out of my pupa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. This comes down to the fear and the Jewish neuro neurosis overthinking everything, but I feel like I, I just overthink all of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, I definitely, I went through what I call the darkest part of my life, which is not when I was uh, like eating clonopins and drinking a pint of whiskey every day in my mid-twenties. It was when I was uh, like 19 and got really into social distortion and being a man. Right. And it was just like, it was just gross. Like I combed Vaseline into my hair and I went to the pool hall. I went to the pool hall the same way I skateboarded though. I never got good at pool. I just lurked around the pool hall. Right. And I wore like a white undershirt with like a short sleeve button up shirt and like Vaseline. But I had a lip ring because it had to be, it had to be right. whatever contempt, right. contemporary. <laughs> I was really into Mike Ness. Yeah. And like Mike but Ness not the solo early, records. Not the early Mike Ness though. No, I was into like, Live at the Roxy. Not the skinny, not the skinny, uh, smearing, smearing makeup on his face. No, I was into the, the like, right. the pretend blue collar adult, like whatever the SoCal version of NYHC is. Like right. Ness. I should have known when my mom was really into cheating at Solitaire, the solo, the Mike Ness solo record, that it was not punk. <laughs> but my mom's cool, you know. I was like, I got into Gang of Four through my mom, you know. So uh, she likes cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. My dad gave me a Dead Kennedys record when I was 13. Yeah. yeah, my parents were like on the fence with the cool stuff. Yeah. They're still like moderately cool. Although they don't like my podcast. They listen to it every month, which is awesome and supportive, and I love them for it. The other day I was having lunch with my mom and dad up at, at their house, and they were like, I was like, what do you guys think of the last radio show? And they were like, well, to be honest, we think it could be a little more intelligent. I'm 31 years old, and I'm still proud to be doing something my parents don't get. Right, right, right. It makes right. me feel like I, I'm doing something right. Yeah, yeah. Mommy's little master dropped out of school. Mommy's little master broke all the rules. Loves to go out chicken with the boys. Loves to go out and make some noise. Doesn't want to blah, 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 blah. I don't care, red, I'm in blah. Okay, listen, enough of that. Um... Thank you, Zara in Order. Thank you to Mike Ness for modeling the exact type of masculinity that I think should never, ever happen again. Let's all band together and work to make sure no future generations make a Mike Ness. Um, thank you to Lou Houston for being my guest. Check out his OOT online on the internet. N-O-O-T-H-H-I-N-G. That's two H's dot O-R-G. Newthing dot O-R-G. That stuff is cool. There's music there. You could link to his cool Twitter. All kinds of stuff. Go there. Uh, thank you to Reed Dunley for my producer. He's my producer for my producer for being my producer. You're the man, Reed. Uh, thank you to DJ Bosch for playing my thing on the radio on FMU. And uh, that's everybody. Oh, that band Bedford that I played, they got a band camp. That's where I got that song from. Go look at it if you like that song. And uh, yeah, uh, I guess that's it. No cops, no creeps. Peace in the pizzeria. Uh, oh, but by no cops, this time I literally mean no cops. Like, let's disband all the police departments because I've had, I mean, we've all hopefully had enough of this. 
uh, it doesn't have to be this way. The world could be a better place than this. Uh, so let's work on that. Disarm them. Uh, disband them. Well, I forgot the... Uh, man, I heard a great phrase at the anarchist organizing meeting the other night. Dis, disarm, disband, disempower. Whatever. Let's get rid of the police. No need for... No, no Mike Nesses, no cops. And, uh... Yeah. I don't know. I'm overwhelmed by uh, grief and rage. And I'm not my most articulate, but, uh... You know, you don't look to me for uh, re revolutionary politics. You look to me for talking uh, punk origin stories, chatting in a pizza place. So you got that, and now I'm out. Uh, okay, bye. Happy holidays if you're a scumbag capitalist.